Okay, so yeah, so the beginning of the parsha. Now Hashem's talking to Moshe, so he tells him. Lachin Emer Levnei Yisrael, tell Bnei Yisrael, Ani Hashem, Loitzesi Ascha Mitachas Tivos Mitzrayim. Right? I'm going to take you at him from it from the from the work of Mitzrayim. I'll save you from their labor. And I redeem you with an outstretched arm. Then it says, I'll take you for a nation. I'll be a God for you. And you'll know, I am Hashem your God. Right? So this should be very familiar. These are on um, um, Pesach. These are the Da'al Shaina Shalgula, right? Vitesi, Vitalti, Vigalti, Vilakhti. Four cups. Right, the four cups, the four right, are corresponding to this. But here it says, after it says, Vyadatim, and you will know, Kiania Shamalakecham, Hamoiti Ascham Mitachas Sivos Mitzrayim. After it says these four expressions of Gula, it says, you will know that I'm the Hashem that took you out. So it sounds like this is a culmination, that's a build up. And after all this, you'll know that Am Hashem took you out. It's, but it sounds like, till the this point of Alakachta Nasam Lilam, right? First is Vitesi, Vitalti, Vigalti, Vilakachti, then Vyadatan. But it sounds like eventually, but well, they'll know right away, right? Didn't they, in other words, Vyadatan, what's the, 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 the first one we say? The, the 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 first one we say is I will take you out. Yes. Then later we say Vyadatim and you'll know Kyaniashama Kekha Mamaiti Asamitahasimatrayim. Then you'll know the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same time? No. It sounds like it's afterwards, right? But why didn't they know right away? That Hashem Hashem's taking them out. Maybe somebody else. How do you know that is Hashem? We know Hashem's taking you mean how they know? How do you know? Because Moshe told them. But does he know? You're saying once, once they got the Torah, then they'll recognize that it was Hashem that take, took them out. In retrospect. No, but I don't okay, know. You be. can say it okay, it was part of that did it or so whatever. That's no, true. No, something it, it like is, that. I mean, even though we know that it was major miracles leaving Mitzrayim and yeah. it had to be done by an Hashem, but okay, you could be that they, once they got the Torah by Arsini, then they, in, in retrospect, recognize all that happened. That could be. But you know what's very interesting? The Sforna learns the Adatim doesn't mean that a culmination and then you will know the Adatim is Moshe is commanding the, the Jews in Mitzrayim and you shouldn't realize that Hashem know that Hashem is going to take you out meaning to say the Adatim is a whole new thing in other words after tell them tell B'nai Israel, Hashem is going to take you out He's going to save you. All this is going to happen. Vyadatim. And right now, in the state you are right now, Imitrayim, you should know that this is going to happen and you should believe it. So he's commanding them, he's telling them, Imitrayim right now before anything happened. Vyadatim and you should know. It should be true to you. It should be real to you. In other words, you're in the in the middle of the tribe, in the middle of the being slaves to, to Parai. So Vyadatim is telling them that 
they should recognize and realize that Hashem is going to take them out. And they should believe it. So it's not a, one way to learn to be a datum is like we said first is that it's after everything's going to happen is you'll realize Hashem took you out. Yeah. This is different. No. This is that He's telling them right now in Mitzrayim you should believe that Hashem is going to take you out. Is that you should believe that Hashem is going to take you out. And as far as it says, so what happens? The next, the Pasuk says, Moshe actually told this to the Bnei Yisrael, right? Moshe told this to Bnei Yisrael that the news that Hashem is going to take them out, but they didn't listen. Because they're in the middle of working, and it was, they're, they're under the, 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 the slavery of Mitzrayim, they weren't able to listen to Moshe. He didn't listen, they, they didn't listen to Moshe. He told them the good news, Hashem is going to take them out of Mitzrayim, and they didn't listen. So the Sfarna says that because they didn't listen, and they didn't, what didn't they do? They didn't believe that Hashem was going to take them out. They heard Moshe talk to them, but they didn't believe that Hashem was actually going to take them out. Therefore, we know the generation that left Mitzrayim didn't go into Eretz Yisrael. Because of this, that in order, in order to be Zaycha to the whole Gula of leaving Mitzrayim, and in order to be Zaycha to eventually go into Eretz Yisrael, they had to believe in Mitzrayim that Hashem is going to be the one to take them out. But because they didn't believe they didn't be They didn't recognize and realize and believe that Hashem is going to take them out. They're, and the reason why is because they were busy working. So he says that's why they didn't go to Eretz Yisrael. Now, the question is, but if they didn't believe, then why did they get to leave? Then they shouldn't have been able to leave Mitzrayim, right? Why were they allowed? Why why were they zeicha to leave Mitzrayim? If we're saying that they didn't believe, then they didn't believe at all. So they shouldn't have gotten anything. They should have been left in Mitzrayim. So he says like this. He says, explains. Let's say you have a guy that's uh, let's think about these people in Mitzrayim. Just think about them. Right? They're middle of they're in Mitzrayim. They're under terrible conditions. They're being slaved. Right? They're slaves to Mitzrayim. And Moshe comes over to them and tells them, "You should know. Very soon, Hashem is going to take you out of Mitzrayim. And not only that, Hashem is going to take you out of Mitzrayim. He's also going to bring you to Israel." Think about their position. They're sitting there, they're working, they're building, they're sweating, they're having terrible, terrible conditions, right? But what are they here? They're gonna be set they're gonna be set free. And also they're, they're gonna go to Israel. Do they care that they're gonna go to Israel? The only thing they care about is to get me out of here. So what didn't they listen to Maisha about? The only thing they, is Eretz Yisrael. That's what they didn't listen to about. About the leaving Mitzrayim. They, of course they listened because they wanted to get out of their conditions. They don't care about Israel. They didn't care about Eretz Yisrael. So that they didn't work on believing. So that's why that they weren't. They didn't end up going to Eretz Yisrael. Leaving Mitzrayim, they left because they, yeah, they said, you know, we want to leave. So that they built a they built of a Muna and they believed it. But they're going to Eretz Yisrael that they didn't care about. That's why they weren't going to go to Eretz Yisrael. Okay, so Moshe goes, right, and he tells them, he tells them that, that Hashem is going to take them out of Mitzrayim, so they didn't listen to him. So then Hashem tells Moshe, go tell Parai that uh, he should send out uh, B'nai Yisrael. So Moshe tells Hashem, Moshe tells Hashem, Hey, B'nai Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael didn't listen to me. 
Why would Pyre listen to me? I just spoke to the Jews. They didn't listen to me. So why would Pyre listen to me? They didn't listen to the Yeris Huh? They didn't listen to the Yeris That's true. Right, right, right. That's there. Yeah. But that, that, according to this, they were just that part. But so it makes what we call a kavachaim. That the Jews didn't listen to me, so I'm sure power won't listen to me. Right. Now, why didn't the Jews listen? What does the Tafasa tell us? Because they were working. Because they were middle working. They couldn't have. They didn't have so they didn't know kavachaim. So there's no kavachaim to power. Because power wasn't power working. Power wasn't working. So Moshe says that the Jews didn't listen to me, so how's power going to listen to me? So Moshe, that's not a good comparison. The Pasuk says that the reason why the Jews didn't listen is because they're in the middle of working. Okay? That's question number one. Question number two is, Moshe says, Ve'ichishmeni faroi v'ani aral sefosayim. We know Moshe had a list, right? Moshe couldn't speak yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, he finished all his off saying, and I, and I don't know how to talk about it. Now, what does that have to do with anything? The reason why the Jews didn't listen is because they're working, not because he had a list. So why is he throwing that in here? Okay. So the Reims is a very nice answer. What happened? Moshe came to the Jews, and he starts telling them about leaving the time, and they're not listening to him. They're not listening to what he's saying. They're ignoring him. Now, Moshe thinks in his head, what's going on? These guys are in the worst of the worst of conditions. They're slaves in Egypt. They want to get out, obviously. And I'm telling them that, guys, wake up any day. We're gonna be let, get, we're gonna be let out of Mitzrayim, and they're not listening to him. What does Moshe think? That the reason that they're not listening to him is because of his lisp, because he can't speak well. He doesn't realize that the reason that they're not listening to him is because they were because they, they were working. The pasuk tells us that the reason why they didn't listen is because they're working. Moshe didn't realize. So then Hashem comes and tells Moshe go to go to Parai. Moshe tells Hashem. The Jews didn't listen to me because of my list. How can, How can of course, Pharaoh will listen to me because of my list? Satsamasha says, I have a list, I can't speak well. So if the Jews didn't listen, and they're the Jews who are in the worst of condition, didn't listen to me because of my list, of course, Pharaoh won't listen to me. But what Moshe didn't realize is that the reason why the Jews didn't listen is not because he had a list, it's because they were working. So then, of course, Pyro would listen. Who was the Kalvachoma? Who was the Kalvachoma? Yeah. That was the aim. That's the aim, says. Just a nice, a nice shot in the reading of the Pasik. So. Hashem tells Parai, Hashem tells Moshe, go speak to Parai, and Hashem lets Moshe know that uh, that Parai is not going to listen. And he actually has leave Parai. And this we see comes up over and over in the parasha. And Hashem says, I'm going to basically make Parai stubborn. That he shouldn't listen. That he won't be able to listen. And he's going to want, in other words, he won't be able to say, he's not going to send out the Jews. No matter what happens throughout the Makkas and the Hepsi. Why did Hashem do that? So also, everyone asks, and with, throughout the Makkas, you'll see in the Pesukim, it keeps on saying that, that Vichizakti is slave Parai, that par Hashem's hardened Parai's heart, that he didn't let the Jews go. Because that's, if you think about it, all the Makkas are happening. He wanted to make miracles to show everybody. Right. If he would have said, okay, that's enough. <laughs> they, so, not all the miracles which... which uh, 
so, yeah, which is very hard. You see these mockers happening, right? But Pyre didn't send them out. Eventually, she'll wake up and you should realize it. But no, no matter what, he didn't. So, Hashem was making him stubborn. So everyone asks, everyone, everyone asks, how could this be? What about Bechira? We know we have, Hashem gives every person the freedom to make choices, right? Here it sounds like Hashem took that away from Pari. How can, how's that fear? You know? And this is what they I all mean, ask. That's why the presidents in the world also. Right, Leib Melch, right, right. Yeah, they don't have the free will like us. Right, so that, they don't have the free will how they run their country. In their private life, they have free will. Yes. But you're right. But there, but there is the same thing with kings. That's true. But here you see Pyre, and because Pyre would have sent them out right away, maybe, maybe after the first mocker, Pyre would have sent them out after the after the blood. But no, Hashem hardened his heart. Oh, what's going on? It's not fear. You know, where where's the Bechira? So many different explanations are given. But I, I saw this here this far, and it has a very nice answer, and it's 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 a, it's a good lesson. So. We know that a lot of times Hashem gives a person Yisurim, pain, hard times, so you should do tshuva. She should return to Hashem, right? If a person did Averis, etc., Hashem gives him Yisurim, and then he dabbles and he does tshuva. So, we find that a lot of times that it takes that, that people don't do tshuva right away. Even though you would think they should do tshuva right away, the moment something bad happens, they should do tshuva. Sometimes it takes a tremendous amount of yusurim for a person to do tshuva. Why? What's preventing people from doing tshuva right away? You know, it should work that way. The moment the bad things happen to us, we should uh, recognize our, that it's Hashem and we should do tshuva. But sometimes it takes very long. And also we see that people do tshuva and then everything comes back, you know, they, everything gets fixed up and then a few weeks later they go back to their old ways. So what's the idea here? So the Sfarna says like this. We know Hashem gives pain and Yusurim so that a person should do tshuva. But there's a big issue. The issue is that the initial tshuva that a person does is not genuine. It's not genuine. Why? Because why is he doing tshuva? Because he's going through Yusurim. Right. He doesn't really regret what he did. It's just that he doesn't, he doesn't want to be sick. He doesn't want whatever's bad happening to him. So of course he realizes that Hashem did this to him. So he says, I'll do tshuva, I'll regret what I did. And then things will uh, come back to normal and then everything will be okay. And that's why many times you have that. Person does tshuva, things go back to normal. And then he goes back to his old ways. Because he never did a real tshuva. So that's why what Hashem does sometimes is Hashem makes a person very strong and he's able to deal with his Yisurim. He doesn't break under the Yisurim. Because he's a tough guy. Right? And this way the Yisurim build up till they're tremendous and then he breaks but that breaking totally breaks him apart till he does a real tshuva. So Paro never did. Power in the end, that is At true. the end, yes, it is. So he went to Nineveh, no? What? He was, the, the, the Midrash says that it was Nineveh, no? In Nineveh. Nineveh. was in Nineveh. Nineveh. No? Right, after. But he did, you see, even after he sent them back, he chased after them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. not only that, but he sent them because he thought they were going to come back. So that's not true. Huh? That's not saying, oh, no, no, okay. I yes, you're right. I did them not only because I have in mind that they're going to come back. And since they didn't come back three days after, he, he went, went after yeah. them. So you see he's still in Chuba. But so it's interesting. I, you're right. But I, I would assume that the plan was 
that this that Hashem hardened Paris heart is not that Hashem took away his freedom of, of choice, rather Hashem made Paris tough. That he's able to deal with the Yisurim. And he was strong and he was able to deal with it. He didn't break under the Yisurim. So that is Tshuva should eventually be a real Tshuva. Hashem wanted, the plan was that if Pari does Tshuva, he has tough skin, so he won't break from the blood, he doesn't care, he's strong, he's a tough guy, and nothing will break him. But now that he took away his freedom of choice, so that eventually when he does Tshuva, it will be a real Tshuva. Because the Yisurim was so strong, no? Because the Yisurim was... But eventually so strong, that will totally break him apart. So that's what happens by people, is that that people are tough, they're a tough guy, you know, they deal with the pain, and they don't care about it, right? But really, Hashem makes a person be capable of dealing with the Yisurim, so that eventually it will get so big the Yisurim, that will break him, and then the Tshuva will be a good Tshuva, a real Tshuva. Otherwise, it's just, the Tshuva is just some, just a means to get rid of the Yisurim, so that things could be good again, and then it could, uh, yeah. Okay. So, that's it now. So the first Maka was the Maka of Dan. The blood. All the water turned into blood. So here's an interesting question. So it says that Parik called his Khartoumim, his, his magicians, people that did witchcraft, and he had them turn water into blood also. So they ask is that where did they get the water from? Everything was blood. They both. So where did they get the water they from? They both. The right. So the Targionism in New Zealand says that they bought from the Jews. And they bought the water from the Jews yeah, and they, they used that the water way. and that's what they turned into blood. Even, even if, if you pay, pay, if you buy, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Yes. It's right. a good business. It's a good business for the Jews. They made money. A good business for the Jews, yeah. If you pay the Jew, you get what? If you get for free or steal it, yeah. it's a blood. But the Cheskuni says, a little different. Very interesting. He learns this in Terepsukim, which is, I know that heard this is new. He said that there was the Nile River, the, the main river in Mitzrayim, and all the other waters came from there. He says what happened was, is that when they, when they, the Maka, at the beginning of the Maka, he turned the Nile River into blood, right? It was turned into blood for an instant, and then it came back to water. Everything else in Mitzrayim stayed blood. But he learns, you have to look at how he learns from the Pesukim, which is interesting to see. And then everything else was stayed blood, but the Nile River turned back into water. And that's what he says, but the fish, you see that the pasta makes a big deal that the fish died and they smelled. He says, why does it make a big deal about that? Because what happened was, it turned into blood, all the fish died, then it turned back into water. So the pasta says, yeah, well, the basically the big deal was that the fish smelled. The fact that it was blood right away turned back into water. And so he says that's where they got the water from. Yeah. It's interesting, you have to see how we learned it. That's what the Cheskuni says. So, but, so everybody could have uh, water then? So then they have, yes, that was interesting. Everyone has water from VR. Yeah, yeah, it is strange. It is strange. It's not so bad. Right, after exactly, all. exactly. Right. Okay, so that was the first part. So then we went into the market Tzvaydeya. So it's interesting. Everyone, uh, the we the we the pasuk says. I'm sorry, the pasuk says that that Hashem told told Moshe that the, the frogs can go everywhere. 
and one of the places that they went was the ovens. Right. They jumped into the ovens also. And the beds. Right? Huh? Pharaoh's bed. No? Yeah. Yeah. So and the major says that in reward for jumping into the ovens, okay, the frogs didn't die. That at the end of the maca, all the frogs died, but the ones that jumped into the oven didn't die. This is what the major says. So the question is that it seems like they got a special reward. But why? Hashem said that the frogs should go into all these places and they should go into the ovens. Why do they deserve a special reward? This is what Hashem's command was, that they should go in all places, in the, in the bed, in the, in the houses, in the oven, so they get a special reward. Why? So the Gemara in Psachim speaks to the Hanani Mushal that were thrown into the kitchen that were, had themselves they were they were told to bow to the of a deserve the Vukhanatar. They didn't listen and they were thrown into a fire. So Umara says, how do they know that they should give their lives out? This is what Umara asks. So Umara says they made a Kavokhimer from the frogs. That the frogs by Paroi, that they don't have a mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem. They went, they went into the ovens. We who have a mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem should also go into the ovens and be thrown into the fire of Nebuchadnezzar. And this is how they knew to throw themselves into the fire of Nebuchadnezzar. This is what the Gemara says. That's the Hananim Shavazar knew that they should give their lives up for Kiddush Hashem. The question is, the frogs were told to go into the fire. Hanan and Mishnah weren't told to go into the fire. So how can they learn from the frogs? You're right that the frogs don't have a mitzvah kiddush Hashem, but Hashem told the frogs to go into the ovens. Hashem didn't tell Hanan and to go into the ovens. How they know to go into the ovens? So how can they bring a crook from the frogs? The reason the frogs went into the ovens is because Hashem told them to go into the ovens. So I saw an answer from a Schwab, and I saw that the Vilna Gain says it also. Hashem told they had the frogs, right? And there are all different places that the frogs could go. So there was a command in general that you should go all these places, a list of places. Go the houses, the ovens, the food, etc. Right? Now, the specific frogs weren't given specific commands, you go here, you go there. It was a command in general that this is where I need all the frogs to go and this is where you guys should go. So the individual frog, it was up to him to choose if he wants to go into the oven or not. He could have said, I'm not going to go into the oven. Let the next guy go into the oven. I'd rather go into the fields. I'd rather go into beds. I'd rather go into the kitchen. I don't have to go into the oven. Right? Because Hashem didn't tell us each, each frog specifically, you go into the oven. Right. Because the places that were already decided by, by Hashem. But, yes. But, but which one should go was up to the frogs to choose where they should go. Okay? Huh? I thought they didn't have a Frogs don't have free will. So, no, that is a question. No, so that's a question on this whole thing is a question. You're right. That is a question on this whole thing. That they're up yeah. Maybe we'll get back to that. Yes. But that that's a good point. The frogs just frogs just work on instinct, right? Right. Good point. But the frogs didn't have have free they they, they, they could have chosen to go into the into the field, out there, whatever, somewhere else, the bedroom. I don't have to go to the oven. But the frogs knew that there was a TV Hashem, that someone should go into the oven. So they 
chose that we will be the ones to go into the oven. So that's why they gave they gave themselves up al Hashem the frog. They could have relied on the next guy to go into the oven. But because they wanted to show that the frogs are going to the oven, for, for the sake of Hashem's will, Hashem said that someone should go into the oven. And they didn't want you know leave it to someone else. They wanted to do it. So they went to the oven. So that's why the Medjur says that they were they got a sky that did it didn't die. So now it's clear from the story there that they could have ran away. If they wanted, they could have gone into hiding. Yes. They had the option to go into hiding, but they didn't. They stayed and they let themselves be thrown into the fire. The question, that's the question. How they know they should have gone into hiding? How they know to stay? You know. If we're to, if someone's told to die for, to be to serve by the Zara or get killed, it's one of the Gimachamuras you have to get killed. Right? Avai the Zara is one of the things you get killed for. So how so but if someone's given the option to go into hiding or get killed, of yeah, course you hiding. should go into hiding. So why didn't they go into hiding? So the answer is is that they realized similar to what we saw we saw last week by Miriam and Yechevet they realized that they wanted to make a statement they wanted to set a precedent of people giving their lives up for Avodah because they knew that if not people are eventually going to buckle and start serving Avodah that if they don't give their lives up for Avodah someone after them is going to you know fall to the pressure and bow down to Avodah so they gave their lives up to make a precedent show people what it means to give your lives up not to serve Avodah Zara. That was so, and that was weird. Yeah, inspire the people, huh? Inspire and to give, yeah, inspiration, uh, right? Inspiration is, uh, you know, big, big time. Right. So that's the Gemara asks. Where did they know to do such a thing? Where did they learn from to give your life up even though you don't really have to, and you can rely on someone else to do it? You don't really, You could. You have another option. They learned that from the frogs in Mitzrayim. They learned from the frogs in Mitzrayim that even though the frogs in Mitzrayim, they could have gone somewhere else. They didn't have to jump into the ovens, but they jump in. They jumped into the ovens to bring out Kiddush Hashem, even though the frogs don't have Kiddush Hashem. So they learned that us also, who we have a mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem, for sure we should throw ourselves into the fire of Nebuchadnezzar to give Kedusha to Hashem's name and set a precedent that people shouldn't serve like this are. That was uh, Rav Schwab and the Vilna Gai. Okay. So it says in the Pasuk here, It speaks about Elazar ben Aaron Elazar was the son of Aaron. It says, He married a wife, a daughter from Putiel. Who's Putiel? Rashi says, This girl that he married, one of her grandparents were Yisroi. Yisroi. And the other one was Yisroi. Okay. Now, Yisroi, we knew, we know, used to serve Avad Zara. So he, the Rashi said, the word pitain is to fan. He's to feed. So he used to feed the animals of Avodah to be fan them, right? So, so putiel comes from pitain, which means fan, because this girl was a grandchild of Yisrael. 
Engordar, engordar. Engordar a los animales para sacrificarlos a Bodazara. Para sacrificarlos a Bodazara. Engordaban a los animales. Y porque es más lindo, grande, al ídolo. Okay, good. And then it says that's one. The other now the other one was Yosef, who was pit paid Yitzray. Okay, Yosef, Yosef. I'll explain what this is in a second, right? He was pit paid Yitzray. So that's where the name Putiel comes from, referencing the idea that one of grandparents was Yitzray. That was Mefatim. He fattened the the animals from Zara. And the other grandparent was Yosef, who was pit paid Yitzray. What does pitpit mean? So Rashi in, in Gemara Saita says that he was mezalzel in his Yetzahara, which means he made cheap. He made it, he, 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 he treated his Yetzahara without value. He cheapened it. Who did that? Yosef. Okay, so it says that Yosef was mefat fate v'yitzray. What does the word mefat fate mean? So Rashi in Saita means mezalzal. What's mezalzal mean? That he cheapened. You know, something's cheap, that doesn't have a value to it. Okay, so he is Yetzahara, he didn't give his Yetzahara value. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean he didn't give his Yetzahara value? Okay, so I was thinking that there is a Rafshon Shadran. Rosham Shadran gives a, uh, he explains the Yitzhar. He says, if you ever went to a wax museum, right? It's, it's, it's fascinating. You walk in there. It's scary. Huh? Yeah. A little scary. A little scary. And you see people, you know, it's really, it's amazing what, what, what they, how real they look. I was once, I was in a wax museum actually, and I was walking through the wax museum. At one point, I was thinking, it would be so cool, it'll be a cool thing if they have. And besides, most of the people, all of the figures there are, are people like the president, actu- a- actors, and uh, celebrities, right? So I was thinking, they should have just like a random person that looks like a real person taking a picture. Okay? And then people will stop because they'll think it's a regular visitor, a tourist. And then, but it's really a wax. So I'm thinking this in my head. As I was thinking this, I'm walking, and, all, and I stop, because I see a person taking a picture. And then I look, and I realize it was a wax. So, so that, it looks very real. Now, what's, what are they made out of? Wax. Now, Sean Sean John says, what happens if you take one little match, and you light a match, and in an instant, it's all gone. So he says, that's Yetzirah. The Yetzirah, Yetzirah's power is that he makes, he packages everything to look very enticing, very enjoyable, very gishmak, but it's all imagination. It's all in the head. It's nothing real. It's nothing, right? You know, someone someone wants to eat, someone's on a diet and he can't have ice cream, right? Fine, he falls for his temptation, he has an ice cream. The second he's done his ice cream, he regrets every lick he had. He doesn't enjoy it anymore because it's all empty. It's all ear. It's fake, right? Actually, someone just told me that in uh, Kahalas, he compares. He, he says everything. He's just saying Hevel Avalin. Everything in this world is ear. It's gas, right? Hevel. Hot ear. Hevel. Hot ear. Everything in this world is, is empty. It's nothing, right? So someone said that what's Hevel? A cloud. It's like a cloud, right? Now what happens? You're driving on a on a 
on a, on a road and you see this big cloud, right? Fog. It's fog, right? You, you think, oh, how am I going to drive through that, right? There's, there's like a big cloud there. But what happens? You drive right through it, no problem. She says, that's everything in this world. It looks like a cloud. It looks like there's real substance there, but there's really nothing there. That's what it means that Yosef made his Yitzhara cheap. He was mezalzan of Yitzhara. Because the Yitzhara looks like it has value to it. It looks like it's something. But Yosef realized that there's really no value to the Yitzhara and it's really nothing. It's empty. It's not worth anything. There's no value to it. Sounds like a Madrid. Yes, sounds like a Madrid. Yes. But that's a Yosef. That's a Yosef. That's a Shadim Rashi is. Okay. One last thought. This is just merely a question. I'll leave it as a question. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says that there's two kinds of ways to do magic. There's real magic, Kishof, which is real Kishof that they create, that they actually could create things through Kishof, through magic. Then there's something called Maise Shadim, where they, they, they use the demons, the demons, to... to, uh, to bring things from other places. For example, he'll make believe that all of a sudden a, uh, a watch will appear here, right? So either that can be, that can be done through magic, but they actually, actual magic. actual magic, that they have a watch appear here, or they're using the shaden to, to bring the watch from somewhere else. Okay? Two ways to do magic. Okay? That's what Gemara says. So, and the word that's used, okay, is in the in the parasha, is there's two words that can be used, either belahatehem or belatehem without a hey, okay. Belahatehem is real magic. Belatehem is when they're using the shadim to do their work for them. If you look at the psukim here in the parasha. When when Paroi has the his his magicians turn the staff into a snake, there it says Belahatehem. They used real magic. Okay. But later by the Makais, when he calls them to try to replicate the Makais and do the Makais, the blood and the frogs and the kinim, it says Belahatehem. It says with Shadim. It doesn't say with a hay. For some reason, he didn't use real magic anymore. He went uh, using the shadim. He didn't want to use real magic anymore. What are shadim? Shadim are like uh, what would be uh, demons? Demons? Best way. So. Bilatayim is demons. Bilatayim is real magic. So for some reason, when he turned his staff into a snake, then he used real magic. But by the Makais, by Dam, Tzvadeh, and Kinim, when he called and he wanted them to do the same, the, his servants to make do the same thing as Moshe did, there they didn't use real magic, then they used the Shadim. What the difference in the word? The lahatem. How do you spell it? It says lamed hey. It looks here. Yeah, you have it. You have it right there. It's right there. Here it says. The gamim chatumim etzayim be lahatem. Be lahatem. The hey. Okay. But later, if you look, without the hey, it's almost the same word. It's almost the same word. Be lahatem. What? Be lahatem. You spell the same, no? No, without the hay, look. There's no hay. Ah, the, the, the first hay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, here, here. 
There it does it without without a hay. So with the hay is magic, real magic. Yes, with the, with the hay is real magic. So what's the what's the what's the? It's a question. I don't know. I don't have an answer. Oh, oh, oh. I don't have an answer. Ah, so this why is 